The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Malachi chapter 3 and also to 2 Chronicles chapter 31. Uh, We began a, a brand new series last weekend called The Blessed Life, and we started off that series with a message last week called uh, The Heart of the Matter, because really what this series is all about is is aligning our heart in every area of our life with with God and getting our heart right. See, God is after your heart. In fact, we talked last week about a couple of verses, uh, one that that says your heart determines the course of your life, and and what that means is that that where your heart is, your your life is going to follow that. In fact, Jesus said this, he says, where your treasure is your heart will follow that. And so if our heart isn't right, then we're going to follow our heart in the wrong direction. And so God wants us to have our heart submitted to him in every area of our life. Because our our, our life follows our heart, and our heart follows our treasure. And so to have a heart that's fully submitted to God, um, we need to, to have our treasure, our money, our things submitted to God's plan. And if you missed that message last week, I want to encourage you to go back and to listen to it. You can go to newsongpeople.com slash media and go to iTunes and search for our podcast. But we laid a lot of foundation last week for, for what it means to, to step into the blessed life. And I want to encourage you throughout this series to really take good notes. Uh, people who take notes are, are proven to be smarter than people who don't. So look around you, the people who are taking notes, they're smarter than you right now. But take some notes, write this stuff down, write down these verses that I, that I referenced today. And I encourage you to look this stuff up for yourself and see it in Scripture. Don't just take my word for it. Look it up yourself and, and see what God has to say to you throughout this series. And so today I want to talk to you, since, since God wants us to have every area of our life submitted to Him, and God has a plan for our finances, today I want to talk to you about that plan that God has for our finances. See, God has a, a plan in place whereby which we can submit our hearts to God fully when it comes to our finances. And through this plan, we can honor God with our money. We can make sure that we're keeping our heart pointed in the right direction. Uh, we can actually help build the kingdom of God. And we can worship God with our finances. And that method is called, this, this strategy, this, this plan that God had is called tithing. And if you're taking notes this morning, my, my first point is this. Tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. And I'll show you this today. Uh, in fact, my, my message this morning is called a two-way test because I'll show you today how this is not just a test that God tests our hearts with. It's actually a way that we can test and prove the faithfulness of God in our own life. So tithing is a test. Now, how many of you in here receive a paycheck from time to time in your life? Anybody in here? Okay, pretty much everybody for the most part. How many of you get paid twice a month? You get paid twice a month. Okay, how many of you get paid every week? Any every week people in here? How many of you get paid once a month? You're a once a month person. Okay. Well, if you receive a paycheck, every time you receive that paycheck, uh, you are tested. And here's the test. The test is, who are you going to put first in your finances? Who are you going to thank for your finances? Who are you going to worship for your finances? This is a test that God has called each and every one of us to take. And so the tithe, let me just kind of talk about the tithe for a minute. The tithe is this, for those of you who are new to to church, maybe you've never heard of this before. The tithe is one-tenth. 
Or let's say you had a dollar, you break that dollar into ten dimes, one of those dimes goes to God, goes to the local church. That's, that's the tithe. In fact, the tithe is this. In the Bible, the, the word tithe is a Hebrew word, and from that word, we, we, it means, it literally means tenth or tenth part is what tithe means. And the thing about, about ten in the Bible is, is ten is, is, a, is something that's used from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Over and over again, we see in, in Scripture where ten is associated with testing. I'll show you this, okay? Um, you guys remember the children of, of, of Israel when they were in, in Egyptian captivity. You guys remember that story and the ten commandments and the ten plagues, okay? There were ten plagues, right? And, and so another way of putting that is those ten plagues were ten ways that God tested the heart of Pharaoh, Right? So there's 10. There's a test. Uh, when the children of Israel went into the wilderness, he gave them the 10 commandments. And it was another way, and another way to put that would be they were tested in their obedience to God. All right? So you guys following with me? Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and I want you guys to answer along with me. All right? You guys ready for this? This isn't going to be hard. You can do it. All right, here we go. Israel was tested how many times while wandering in the wilderness? 10. Okay, you guys follow me. You're, you're going to do really good if you can just keep saying 10, all right? Jacob's heart was tested how many times while he was working for Laban? Very good. Daniel was tested how many times, how, for how many days in the first chapter of the book of Daniel? Okay, the pattern continues in the New Testament. In Matthew 25, how many virgins were tested while waiting for the bridegroom? How many days of testing are mentioned in the book of Revelation? And how many disciples were there? Gotcha. Trickeration right there. There are actually 12 disciples, but... But here's what I want you to see. This, this number 10 is associated with testing. And, and here's the thing. The tithe is, is kind of the ultimate heart test for us as believers, for us as Christians, when it comes to, to Jesus Christ. And, and if we put God first in every area of our life. We talked about this last week. Money's a big deal. God knows that. He knows that it's important to our life. And, and yet he wants us in every area of our life to be submitted to God. And here's why. Because he wants to bless you. I, I said this last week and I just want to reiterate it. This series is not about me trying to get something from you. Please hear me. I, I, can, I can honestly say, stand here before you, standing before God. That's not what this is about. I'm not trying to get something from you. This is about what God has for you. God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. And this is one of the ways he can do that, is if we will obey him and submit every area of our life and put him first in every area of our life. See, for us as Christians, more, money is more than just a, a thing we use for purchasing things. Jesus spent 30% of his time talking about finances and money and stuff because he knows our heart follows our treasure. So if he can get us to submit our treasure to him, then our heart is going to follow him. It's going to follow the kingdom of God. Now, if you have your Bible, I, I told you to turn to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to look at this now together. Malachi chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, that's totally cool. You can follow along with me up here on the screens. But this is kind of, Malachi chapter 3 is like the chapter that talks about tithing and kind of lays this out in a real foundational chapter for tithing. But I want you to notice as we read this, I want you to notice something that God says right off the bat here. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says, I am the Lord. So who's talking? God is talking, all right? And look at what it says next, and I do not change. Remember that. It's very important. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob, verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances. Now, what's an ordinances here? 
When it's talking about ordinances, it's talking about the ordinary uh, principles of behavior. So God is talking here about kind of the, what he expects of us, what is ordinary for us as Christians to be doing. And he's talking to the people and saying, you've gotten away from that. And he says, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Who's talking? Who's talking? The Lord's talking. God's talking. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now, before I jump into verse 8, who is talking here? I want you to get this. I want you to see this. God is talking here. And and it's the God who does not change is talking here. And he's talking to his people. And he's saying that you've gotten away from my ordinances. You've gotten away from my ordinary principles of behavior. And I want you to see that this is God talking. Before we jump into the rest of this, this is not just something that I made up. This is not something that some pastor made up. This is God talking, all right? So God is talking here. Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Look at this. In tithes and offerings. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. Now who's talking? We're robbing God, right? Even this whole nation. Verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse is the church. That there may be food in my house. And look at this. Try me now says, once again, he points out who's talking. God is talking, the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. God wants to bless us in such a way that we can't even contain what it is that he wants to give to us if we'll obey him. And look at what it says next. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's talking about Satan. Satan wants to devour you. You've heard before in here, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. When you tithe, when you obey God in your tithes, God rebukes the devourer against you so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field. Says, again, look at this, the Lord of hosts. God is talking. The God who does not change is talking. Verse 12, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says one last time, the Lord of hosts. God makes it really clear who's talking here. And he's making it really clear what he has to say. So God is talking. The God who cannot change is talking. We need to remember that. And he says that his people have gotten away from his, his, ordinary, uh, his ordinances, his ordinary behavioral rules that he has for us as Christians. You see, tithing for us as Christians, you need to understand this. Tithing for us is an ordinary principle for God's children to be operating under. It's something that God expects us to be doing. That we would thank him for the increase in our life. That we would thank him first for the, for the blessings that he's brought into our life. That's something that God expects of each and every one of us. That's an ordinary principle, God says. And, and what he says here is because you haven't been doing it, you fall under a curse. So let me break this down for you, okay? God owns everything, right? We read that last week. In fact, I'll show you that again here in just a little bit. God owns everything. Everything we have is his. Do we believe that? Yes. So everything we have in our hands belongs to God. And and he comes to us and he says, I want you to give back a percentage of that back to me. I want you to bring 10% of that back to me. And if you do, I'm going to bless you for it. And I'm going to take that 90% that's left over and I'm going to bless it. Or or you can keep 100%. But if you keep that 100%, it's going to be under a curse. So it's, it's up to you. Here, here's the rules. 90% blessed by God or 100% on your own. And, and not just on your own, but under a curse. And so, I, I, listen, I know this is kind of, I, I can see it in the room. Like everybody's kind of, 
I know that, but what I want you to see is God wants to bless you. He wants to help you. And he understands that when you don't do this, you step into this curse. And he doesn't want you to be under a curse. He doesn't want the, de- the devil to devour you and steal from you and take things away from you. God doesn't want that for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to empower your finances. He wants to multiply your finances. He wants to help you in every area of your life. But if we don't submit to him, any area of our life that we don't submit to God in, he can't help you in. And any area we don't submit our life to God in, we fall into an area where the devil can steal, kill, and destroy. And so this is important that we get this. Verse 9, it says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. So the choice is real simple. Do we want to live with 100% of our finances that we possess cursed, or do we want to have 90% of our finances blessed by God? Cursing or blessing? That's, That's the choice that's before us. And I was thinking about this this week, and I, I've always kind of read this verse and, and saw this, and I've always thought, you know, it talks about robbing God. And I always kind of thought of it from the perspective of just, you know, God wants something from us that belongs to him, and we're not giving it back. Like if, say, you know, you loaned a friend of yours your car, and then you went and asked for it back, and they said, no, you can't have it back. They're, they're robbing you, right? I've kind of always thought of it from that. But, but God showed me something this week. He was speaking to me, and he said, it's not just that you rob me of something that belongs to me. You rob me of the opportunity to bless you. You know that's what God wants to do? He wants to bless you. And when you don't obey him, you rob him of the opportunity to show himself fully in any area of your life that you won't obey him in. He wants to help you. But you rob him of the opportunity. See, that's, that, that's robbing God. He wants to bless you so badly that when you don't do what he wants, he looks at it as you're robbing him from blessing him. It's amazing. Because there's a curse on this world that we all, we all step into when we don't do this God's way. But when we, when we tithe, we step out from under that curse. But if we don't tithe, we voluntarily kind of fall under that curse and step right into it. So God wants to redeem our finances, get us out from under the curse, but it takes our cooperation. We can't be robbing from God. And that's what he said. If we don't obey him, we're robbing him. All right, so God says if we don't tithe, we keep the tithe, we're stealing. And because we're of that, we're under a curse. And God doesn't want you to be under a curse. But when we do obey God in this area, it empowers him to come and help you. So this is a test for us. This is a test that God puts us to, that, to see if we will really fully surrender ourselves in every area of our life to him. But here's the neat thing about this. It's not just a test that God does to us. It's a way that we can test God. And we can test the faithfulness of God in our life. He says this, In verse 10, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me, try me. In the old King James version, it uses the word prove. And English standard, it uses the word test. He says, try me in this, test me in this. Let me prove myself in this. And look what it goes on to say. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it. And it says, he, it says, try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. Another version says, says the Lord Almighty. I love that, that he, that he says that. You see, God wants to help you here. He wants to help you in your finances. And he says, we got to try him in this. Now, another, another thing that is interesting, you study this out when it talks about try me, it, it talks about this idea of like how they used to test gold. It's to test it to see how pure it was. And I believe this is what God is saying to us today. Test me to see how pure I am in this area. Test me to see what I'll do in your life. Put me to the test. Here's what God's saying. I double dog dare you. That's what God's saying. 
And I love that. And I love that he says it, and then I love that it says, says the Lord Almighty. You know what Almighty means? Almighty means this. It means having complete power. It also means leading an army. You know, I, I don't know about you, but in my life, I don't tell people to test me in something unless I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I can back up what it is that I'm saying. Like, for example, I'm not going to go up to Usain Bolt, the fastest man on the planet, and be like, hey, Usain, let's race. Try me in this. I I guarantee you, 100-yard dash, I'm going to take you out. Let's do this. Try me. Test me in this. Just see. I wouldn't do that, right? Because I would be very embarrassed in that race. He would smoke me, and I'd probably pull a hamstring and hurt myself. That would not be a good deal. And we normally don't do that. But here's the thing. God says to test him in this. And here's why. Because God has complete power. God has an army backing him up. And God owns everything. Remember Psalms 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything in this world belongs to God. Everything that you have belongs to God. Everything that you don't have that you want to have belongs to God. And since God owns everything and God has complete power and he's got an army backing him up, he can move anything into your life that he wants to, but we have to cooperate. God can't move those things into your life unless you're obeying him because you fall under the curse. So we have to step out from under that and obey God and do what he's asking us to do. So what do you believe? This is a step of faith. It's a step of faith. It's a big step. Do I believe that God can do more with 90% than I can do on my own? Or am I going to live the other way and live under this curse? God wants to help you, but you've got to obey God. Tithing is a test. It's a test for us, and it's a way we can test the faithfulness of God. Number two, tithing is biblical. Tithing is biblical. And one of the big arguments that you'll find against tithing is this argument that says, well, that's, that doesn't apply anymore. That, that, that's old school. That's, that, was, that was old covenant. That's under the law, and, and that no longer applies for today. I'm, I'm going to show you some verses here in just a moment that show you where the tithe actually predates the law, and then where we see it in the New Testament. In fact, I'm going to show you where Jesus talked about the tithe. But before I get into that, let me just say a couple things. First of all, I think it's very interesting, I showed you this earlier, how in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, when it first starts off, God talking about this principle that is very controversial in our lives, that he starts off by saying, I'm the Lord God, I do not change. Like, of course he put that right before this. And yet people for all the, all the time will look at that and go, he didn't mean that though, he was just kidding. God was being sarcastic. No, he wasn't. He meant what he said. He doesn't change. He wanted you to see that. He wants to help you out here. And then the other thing is this. Okay, this, this idea that the law just passed away. We don't have to you know, go by that. Okay, so what parts of the law you want to throw away? Here's a good question for you. Adultery? Thou shalt not commit adultery? Does it still apply to this day? Absolutely it does. Are there consequences if you commit adultery? Absolutely there are. Thou shalt not murder? So now that we're in a new dispensation of grace, murder's cool, everybody. No, obviously not. Yeah, I, I'd warn you, be careful when you start to look at the Old Testament and start to pick and choose the things out of the Bible that you want to do a certain way. In fact, I would, I would say it this way. What I've found in scriptures most of the time, because Jesus was after the heart, when he would talk about the things from the law, he would, he would even imply a higher standard. For example, with murder, he said you shouldn't, Jesus said you shouldn't even hate somebody. When it, when it comes to adultery, Jesus said you shouldn't even look at a woman to lust for her. That's a higher standard than what we see in the Ten Commandments. So 
I would just warn you, be careful when you start to say, well, you know, I'm going to pick and choose from the Old Testament what I want to do. I think there's a lot of great principles in the Old Testament that still apply to us today that we need to be living under. Now, let me show you some of this in the Old Testament. This is Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. This is talking about the tithe. And what I'm about to read to you was written 500 years before the Ten Commandments, 500 years before the law. It says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Okay, right there. It's interesting. Bread and wine. What's that a picture of? That's a picture of the cross. That's a picture of communion. Thousands of years before Jesus would ever die on the cross. He was the high priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram. Let's talk about Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Now watch this. And he, talking about Abram, Abraham, gave him a tithe of all. This is 500 years before the law is set in place. And we see Abraham tithing to Melchizedek. Now, who are these two guys? Well, Abraham is, the New Testament talks about him as being the father of our faith. As being an example of someone we can look at as an example of how we should walk in faith. He's our spiritual father. And then this other guy, Melchizedek, is a picture of Jesus Christ. In fact, there's many people that believe that Melchizedek was actually a pre-incarnate Jesus here on this earth. When I say pre-incarnate, here's what that means. That means it was Jesus here on this earth before he showed up in the manger scene in the Christmas story. And what we see here is the father of our faith giving a tithe to this picture of Jesus. The reason they think that he's, he's Jesus is because it says in the New Testament he has no beginning, he had no end, he had no mother, father. So it's either Jesus or it is a very much a type and shadow of Jesus. And we see the father of our faith giving a tithe to Jesus. That's a big deal. Genesis 28 verse 22, this is Jacob. This is 400 years before the law is put in place. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Again, 400 years before the law is put in place, we see Jacob tithing to God. So, and then we all know the New Testament, the law comes into place, people are tithing. That's some pretty good stuff in the Old Testament about tithing, right? But what if this, what if I could show you in Scripture where Jesus talked about tithing, where Jesus said you ought to tithe? Would you tithe then? It, let me ask you it this way. If Jesus, the Son of God, who bled and died on the cross for you, if he said in the New Testament, in red letters, that you ought to tithe, would you tithe? Let me show you, Matthew 23, verse 23. It says, woe to you, this is Jesus talking, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now look at this, you pay a tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of law, justice and mercy and faith. Now look at what he says next. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Okay, so this is Jesus talking. He's talking to these Pharisees here. And he's saying, he's condemning them because they're tithing to the dollar. But they're neglecting these other things that are important. They're neglecting justice and mercy and faith. And notice what Jesus says. He says, you should have practiced the latter, meaning giving justice, mercy, and faith to others. But look at what he says. Without neglecting the former. What's the former? Tithing. You guys see that? That was Jesus. In the New Testament, Son of God, died on the cross for your sins, endorsing the tithe in the New Testament. You see that? He's saying, he said this, he said, you should in fact tithe, but don't neglect these other things too. 
See, this, this principle of tithing is biblical. It's in the Old Testament. It's before the law. It's during the law. Jesus talked about it. It's in the New Testament. In fact, there's a scripture that talks about in Galatians where, where we bring our tithes and, and that men receive them here on earth, but that Jesus receives them in heaven. You know, when you tithe here at the church, it's an act of worship. When you put money in the offering box or you give online or however it is that you bring your tithe to the Lord, we receive it here at the church as a staff, as a we receive it and we, we distribute it to where it needs to go to do the, the call of what God's calling us to do here. But you know, Jesus receives it in heaven as an act of worship. He receives it. Tithing is biblical, my friends. So tithing is a test. Tithing is biblical. Number three, tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. Flip over to 2 Chronicles chapter 31. And as you turn there, let me kind of set this up for you. There's this king named Hezekiah, and he's the king of Judah. And uh, Judah is struggling. They're in a recession. Things are not going good. They are barely getting by. Um, and, and one day, King Hezekiah is reading Scripture, and he comes across these verses that talk about the tithe. And, and he sees this, and he realizes that they are under a curse, that the reason that they're struggling, he starts to believe the reason they're struggling is because they're not obeying God in this area. And so he, he, he puts a command in place so that the people will begin to obey God in this area. Verse 4, it says this, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites, that they may devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Verse 5, As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep and also the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord their God, and they laid them in heaps. Verse 7, In the third month they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people of Israel. In other words, they came and saw this, and they were like, Whoa, what has happened? Verse 9, then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. In other words, he went to the, the priests and he said, is everybody okay? Like, I know we've, had, we've been struggling and I'm seeing these heaps. Is everybody got enough to be taken care of? And look at what the priest said. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is great abundance. Here's what I want you to see. King Hezekiah comes to, he sees these heaps, and he's seen these people struggling. He's seen what's been going on. He's seen the curse that they've been under. And now he sees these heaps, and he's going, oh, man, I, I hope they didn't overdo it here. And he goes to the priest, and the priest says, King, if you think this is impressive, you should see how the, rest, how the people are living right now. You think this, this is just the 10%. You should see the 90% that the people have. God has blessed his people. And what I want you to see this morning is God blesses his people when they obey him. You know, I've been a Christian since I was a little kid. And I've been around the church since I was a little kid. My, my dad was a minister. My mom was in ministry. Uh, I've been in full-time ministry myself for 15 years now. And in that time, I've heard a lot of testimonies when it comes to to tithing. And there's two kind of testimonies that you hear over and over again when it comes to the tithe. One is from the person who tithes. And here's what they always say. We're so blessed. Uh, we, we, we're so grateful that we're able to do this. God, everything changed 
when we began to obey God and tithe. In fact, I, I've never personally heard a testimony of someone who was tithing and said, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> we, we quit on that because that was a bunch of bull. Never heard that before, ever. Then there's another testimony I've heard, and it's from the people who don't tithe. And here's what they say. I just can't afford it. And let me just tell you something today. You will never be able to afford it until you start to do it. And here's why. Because you're under a curse. And every time you start to think, okay, I'm getting enough momentum here. Now I'm going to start doing this. The devil's going to attack you. Because he can. Because he's not been rebuked against you. And he's going to make things break. And he's going to steal things from you. And he's going to keep you living at this low level. Because he knows what God can do in your life if you will just obey him in this area. I was talking to uh, a guy a couple months back, a guy in the church, and he was talking to me about some of his financial woes. And he was, he was struggling. He was telling me that he had some debt he couldn't get out from under and that his, uh, his job was just not going good. He just barely could pay his bills every month. He was just living paycheck to paycheck, just barely getting by. And so I'm talking to him, and I said, um, well, are you, are you tithing? And he said, no. I said, well, let me just encourage you. In this. I started talking to him about you know, why you should do this, that God wants to bless you, God wants to help you, that when you tithe, God wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you can't contain. God wants to rebuke the devourer. This is a test. You can test God in this. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, but I'm just nervous. I'm barely getting by right now. I, I don't, I'm just nervous that if I do this, I'm not going to have enough. And I, and I said, just test God in it. Just try him. And so he, he did. And he tithed one time. <laughs> He gave one tithe. And a few months went by, and he was still kind of struggling. And he was praying one day, and he felt the Lord kind of speak to him and say, hey, I want you to look back at your finances the last time that you tithed. And so he looked back at his finances, and he discovered something that was amazing. The Sunday that he tithed, that week, the next Monday to Saturday, he had the best financial week he had ever had in his business. In fact, not just that. It was the best week anyone had had in his business, in his company, for the year. The week after he tithed. So he saw that and he said, okay, I'm in, all right? And so he began to tithe. And he started tithing faithfully. And you know what? A couple months went by and he got a new job. This new job opportunity came out of nowhere that turned around his financial issues. And he kept tithing. He, his tithe got to go up at that point. He kept tithing. A few months went by, and they came to him, and they said, you're doing such a great job. We want to give you a promotion. And he was talking to me one day, and he said, I feel so stupid that I didn't do this a long time ago. He said, everything changed. It's the best financial decision I've ever made. I was talking to another guy just a couple weeks ago. This is before the series started, and he was telling me about how he's a business owner, and he has a business, and he's kind of getting it off the ground, but it just wasn't doing very good. He's just kind of struggling from, from month to month, can barely pay himself sometimes, and just the work's not coming in. And, and so I talked to him. I said, well, are you tithing? He said, no. I said, well, let me just encourage you in this. And I went through the whole thing with him. But God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. Test God in this. And uh, he told me last week, he said he was driving down the road a few days later, and he was thinking about that conversation, and he just decided in his heart. He said, you know what? I'm going to do this. And he kind of made a commitment in his heart to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to be a tither. He, he didn't even tithe yet. He just made the commitment in his heart. See, this is about your heart, guys. This is a heart issue. He made the commitment. God, I'm going to put you first. There's not going to be any area of my life that I'm going to say, God, I got this. Don't do that. 
Bring God into every area of your life. He said, I'm going to do this. No sooner did he make the decision in the car, he gets a phone call in the car. And somebody calls him up and they say, hey, I want to send some work your way. And I've actually got some other people too that I'm going to be sending work your way. And all this business comes in, almost a big portion of his year came in financially right there in the moment. Do you think that's a coincidence? I don't. Listen, here's what I want you to see. I believe this over many of you today. I believe that God is standing there going, come on, please. I've got this for you. There's so much more I have for you. Please, please hear my heart today. The church is doing great. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I know how important this is. I know what a big deal. I've seen it work in my life. I've seen God bless us in ways. I wouldn't get up here and just spit something at you to try to get something for you. I wouldn't do that. God is my witness. I know God's got more for our church. I know he's got more for you. And I want to see you walk in that. I don't want to see you living under a curse. I want to see you blessed. And God wants to see you blessed. All right, I want to... One last little illustration here to close. All right, I need three guys to help me. Josh Romano, would you st- come stand right here? Jake, I see you. And, and Paul, Paul, you come up here. You guys stand right up here across the front, okay? Thanks, guys. Big, dark-haired men. Okay, I want, I want you to imagine that um, I'm getting ready to go on a trip, and I'm going to be gone for a while. And I'm going to be away from my, my wife and my children for, for a while, and so I decide that uh, I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to bring some provision to them, but I'm going to provide it through, through some channels. And I'm going to use these guys as the channels to bring provision to my wife, okay? So here's what I'm going to do, guys. Every month, you're going to get $10,000 from me. Sound good? This is just an illustration. This isn't really going to happen, so don't get too excited. <laughs> but but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide this, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to take, of that $10,000, I want you to take $1,000 of it, the first 10% of it, and I want you to send it to my wife every month. And then the rest of it, the, nine, the other 9,000, 90%, you can keep. And you can do whatever you want with, okay? So I, I start to do this. And every month, I send these guys three checks for $10,000. And months start to pile up and go by. And I call Sarah one day, and I'm talking to her. And I say, hey, how's the, how's the provision from the three guys coming in? And she says, well, uh, it's going really good. I said, well, how's Josh doing? She says, well, he's doing great. At the beginning of every month, uh, just on time, I, I get a check right at the beginning for $1,000. I say, yes, good job, Josh, way to go. Oh, how's Jake doing? Well, Jake is actually, beginning of every month, I I get a check for $2,000 from Jake. (laughs) I say, $2,000, really? That's awesome, wow. say, how's Paul doing? Well, Paul's a different story. (laughs) The first month, Sarah tells me, Paul sent $700. And the second month, about halfway through the month, I got a check for about $400. And this month, I haven't gotten anything. Now, let me ask you, how do you think that's going to make me feel? I'm the one giving them the $10,000 every month. And all I'm asking is that they would give a portion of it to my wife, to my bride, to care for her. So what do you think I'm going to do? Here's, I'll tell you what, exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit giving Paul money. And I'm going to take the 10000 that I was given to him, and I'm going to divide it up between these two guys who've been faithful. Because they've been faithful, and he hasn't. Now, I'm not, seriously, Paul's a great guy. I'm not talking about <laughs> You guys can have a seat. Thank you. Yeah. But here's, here's what I want you to see this morning. Um, the Bible talks about when Jesus went away, 
He said, I'm going to go. I'm going to be gone. I'm leaving. And uh, while I'm gone, I want you to take care of my, my bride. However, may I remind you that the bride of Christ and Scripture is the church. And so I wonder sometimes if we underestimate how important this is to Jesus. Because, listen, if I'm providing for my bride, who I love dearly, and it's not getting to her, I'm going to make some changes. And I want you to know, God loves you. But if you're not being obedient, it's going to withhold some stuff that God wants to do in your life. You say, well, Jesus would never do that to me. He'd never withhold me. Oh, really? Go check out the parable of the talents from Matthew 25, where he took from the one who wasn't faithful and gave it to the others who were. I want you to know something. God wants to bless you. But if you're not operating in his ordinances, his ordinary principles of behavior, you set yourself up for a curse. And you rob yourself. And you rob God of being able to bless you and help you. He wants to help you. But you play a big part in it. And I want you to know today, this is about what God wants for you. I know this will change your family. This will change your marriage. This will change your children. This will change your grandchildren. There's a legacy God wants to leave in your life. But we got to obey. We got to surrender. We can't have any area of our life that we withhold from God. And maybe you're one of the people that's sitting here today and you're kind of like the children in Judah. Things are not going so good for you. You're struggling. Well, wherever you are today, take the step of obedience. Take some steps in your life to cut out things if you need to, to make room so that you can do what God's asking you to do and be obedient to him. And I promise you, I'm telling you, God is up in heaven saying, I double dog dare you to see what I do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? I really believe strongly this week as I was studying for this and preparing for this that I don't want this to come across as condemning. I don't want this to come across as me trying to push you into anything. I want you to see what the Word of God had to say. I want you to see the heart that God has for you when it comes to your finances. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And he doesn't want there to be any area of your life where you think that you don't need God. Can you really sing the song, You Can Have It All? You can have it all, Lord, except this. I'm telling you, I promise you, test the Lord in this. He wants to do something amazing in your life. Just give it a try. Wherever you are, maybe you're barely making anything right now. Test the Lord in this. Maybe you're making a lot right now. Test the Lord in this. Just see what else he wants to do. Lord, we thank you that there's no area of our life that you don't care about. You don't want to help us in. And God, I just pray for faith this morning. I know there's people in this room that are maybe wrestling with this a little bit. Maybe there's some fear in some people's hearts about how they're going to get by. Maybe we find ourselves today and we realize that where we're at right now, we're at because we've been operating under a curse. 
Or maybe the, the life that we find in front of ourselves right now is a life that's cursed because we haven't been obeying you. And so, God, we make the choice now to quit stealing from you, quit robbing from you, to obey you, submit our hearts to you fully, and do what you've asked us to do. God, you can have it all. Jesus, you bled and you died and you suffered and you gave your life for us. And I repent, we repent, Lord, for not surrendering ourselves fully to you. We know that you love us and that you're for us. And we love you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, I'm gonna invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. I know there's people in here today and maybe you're new to the church and I just wanna let you know we don't talk about money at New Song all the time. We really don't. We're in a series right now about this, but it's really about the blessing God wants for you. In fact, you probably noticed if you're here today, we don't pass a bucket. Uh, in the church's history, we've been around for 82 weeks. This is only the, the second, third message I've ever taught about money here, and it's two in a row now because we're in this series. And I want to let you know we're going to keep talking about this for the next few weeks. In fact, next week, I got some more stuff for you. It's so good. It's going to be super helpful. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. But if you're here today and, and you need help in any area of your life, maybe you need faith today. Maybe you need healing today. Maybe you just got something on your chest you need to get off your chest. We've got these people up here in the front and they would love to pray with you. They'd love to join their faith with you and help you. The Bible says that when we come together and we pray with others, that God shows up in the middle of that and that there's power released in that. And so we'd love to pray for you this morning. So if that's you today, in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to stand and we're going to go back into a worship song. I want to just encourage you to come forward at that time and just receive prayer. Maybe you're here today and you've never submitted your life to Jesus. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Well, I want to encourage you to come down today and receive salvation. Don't leave this place. If you've got a burden today, don't leave with the burden. Leave the burden at the altar. Leave the burden with Jesus this morning. Whatever it may be, no matter how big, no matter how small. Maybe something's in front of you right now that you can't see past. It. It's a mountain. Maybe something's in front of you right now and it's a molehill. Whatever it is, surrender it to the Lord. He wants to be a part of it this morning. Would you stand with me? Lord, I, I ask that you would uh, give our church boldness this morning. If there's anyone in here that needs prayer, I pray that you would draw them to the altars to receive prayer this morning. And God, I thank you in advance in faith for what you're gonna do in our church, for the, the impact that this message is gonna have. I thank you that this will be a message that we never can get past. And I look forward to the testimonies that we're gonna hear in the weeks ahead of how you came and you opened up the windows of heaven and blew people away with your faithfulness, with job opportunities opening up, with promotions coming, with, with transitions taking place, God, that empower people to the life you've called them to live. Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.